0: we poor sinners confess unto you that we are by nature sinful and unclean, and that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed. Wherefore we flee for refuge, to your infinite mercy, seeking and imploring your grace for the sake of our Lord Jesus Christ. O most, most merciful God, God who has given you your only begotten God Son to die for us, have, have mercy, mercy on us, and, us, and for his sake grant us remission of all of our sins. sins. And by your Holy Spirit, increase in us through knowledge of you and of your will, and through obedience to your word, to the end that by your grace we may come to everlasting life, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father has had mercy upon us and has given his only Son to die for us and for his sake forgives us all of our sins. To those who believe on his name, he gives the power to become the children of God and has promised them his Holy Spirit. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Grant this, Lord, unto us all. Amen. Amen. Lest you strike your foot against a stone. Through the wilderness and brought them to the promised land guide the people of your church that following our Savior we may walk through the wilderness of this world toward the glory of the world to come through Jesus Christ your son our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit one God now and forever amen, amen. Reading of the Holy Scriptures. The Old Testament reading appointed for the first Sunday in Lent is from the book of Deuteronomy, the 26th chapter. When you come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you for an inheritance and have taken possession of it and live in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvested from your land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket. And you shall go to the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name to dwell there. And you shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to our fathers to give us. And then the priest shall take the basket from your hand and set it down before the altar of the Lord your God. And you shall make response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my father. And he went down into Egypt and sojourned there, few in number. And there he became a nation, great, mighty, and populous. And the Egyptians treated us harshly and humiliated us and laid on us hard labor. Then we cried to the Lord, the God of our fathers. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm with great deeds of terror with signs and wonders and he brought us into the place and gave into this place and gave us this land a, a land flowing with milk and honey and behold now i bring the first of the fruit of the ground which you o lord have given me and you shall set it down before the lord your god and worship before the lord your god And you shall rejoice in all the good that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. You and the Levite and the sojourner who is among you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. reading from St. Paul's letter to the Romans, the 10th chapter. The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing his riches on all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. of Christ, of whom the Holy Gospel is read. The Holy Gospel according to Luke, St. Luke, the fourth chapter. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for forty days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And Jesus answered him, It is said, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. We confess our Christian faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We remain standing to sing our sermon hymn.
1: saint luke and jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan and he was led by the spirit in the wilderness for 40 days being tempted by the devil this is our text grace to you and peace from god our father and from our lord and our savior jesus christ dear friends you heard it said there by saint luke that he jesus was full of the holy spirit indeed our Lord Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit not simply from the day that he stepped forth dripping wet from the Jordan River where he had been baptized by John when the Holy Spirit there lighted upon him scripture tells us in the form of a dove and the voice from heaven came that said this is my beloved son listen to him but he also had been full of the Holy Spirit long before that Before he was conceived in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. Even before that, at the beginning of creation, when the Holy Spirit was hovering energetically and in a life-creating way over the face of the deep, creating all the life that would be. Even before then, the Son of God was full of the Holy Spirit. For as our ancient creeds confess, and we confess with all of those who have gone before us, That the Holy Spirit indeed proceeds forth from the Father and from the Son, from everlasting to everlasting. God the Son in whom, Scripture says, the fullness of the deity dwells in bodily form. Indeed, Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit. And this same Holy Spirit now leads Jesus, the Son of God, in whom the deity fully dwells, into the wilderness for interestingly as it tells us in our text a period of 40 days 40 days of Jesus in the wilderness being tempted by the devil don't too hastily dismiss the 40 day idea there because it's significant for 40 days he was there in the desert an important number throughout the scriptures in fact wasn't it for 40 days that Noah heard the pelting of the rain upon the ark for forty days and for forty nights before finally the deluge came, that destroyed the earth of old. Moses is forty days, remember, on Mount Sinai where he's receiving the tablets of the law, while down below the Israelites were even sinning then against the Lord by creating of. Gold, this golden calf that they made resulting in Moses then having to go back into the mountain and intercede on their behalf for 40 days and for 40 nights and later on when they refused to take the land even as the Lord had told them to do it was Moses again that must go up into the mountain and he goes there for 40 days to intercede on behalf of the people of God and what about those 40 years that they were wandering in the wilderness because they had not obeyed the Lord nor trusted in him and then were also the 40 days of Elijah in the wilderness where he was tempted by Satan to despair of God's love and of God's care for him and then he was saved by the strength of an angel of the Lord who came to him and strengthened him there and encouraged him to go forth and to go on 40 days from now Nineveh will be destroyed remember the prophet Jonah said as he's standing there in his bleached, acidy, gastric stench of that great fish that had swallowed him, scripture tells us, that had then belched him out on shore. And the city of Nineveh, having heard the preaching of the word of God by Jonah, does indeed repent in sackcloth and in ashes. Sounds awfully Lentish, doesn't it? Like the season of Lent. Ashes, repentance, sackcloth, 40 No matter where you look throughout scripture, this number 40 seems to link us to a time of testing, a time of trial, a time of temptation. A time of temptation where man, as you go throughout the annals of history, where man has always, on the virtue of his own strength and his own power, man always fails, man has always come up lacking man has always failed in the wilderness of temptation he's always come up short in his struggle against satan's beguiling power even the great british author and the poet Rudyard kipling picked up on that when he wrote we have 40 million reasons for failure but not a single excuse 40 failure it seemed to go hand in hand 40 failure in the face of the old evil foe. That's what we sang in that Reformation hymn that we just sang that Luther wrote. A mighty fortress is our God and we refer there as he did to the old evil foe and that's exactly who Satan is, isn't he? Old indeed, having successfully deceived our first parents Adam and Eve and all their progeny after them, generation after generation, each individual who tried to face him on his own, slipping like Eve did, sliding as Eve did, yielding as she and Adam did to temptations seditious and to its seductive power. No mere mortal has ever stood successfully before the old experienced evil foe. And he is indeed as evil as he is old. Jesus calls him the father of lies, the one in whom, Jesus says, there is no truth. The destroyer of souls, he's called. The murderer, Jesus says, from the beginning. He's the ultimate evil indeed. And he's not just, as some in our day would say, the literary personification of evil. This is a real personal entity a real personal personality, a being with whom our Lord Jesus speaks, as we heard him today speaking in the wilderness. Either he was a real personal being, or Jesus was speaking to himself. He was a personal being. He is a personal being. Who was out to tempt and to destroy ultimately that which God has made. Our old evil foe. Our enemy, scripture calls it. Our adversary, the one who stands against you. The one who points his finger at you and accuses you. In fact, in the oldest Old Testament writing, in the book of Job, that's exactly what Satan is called, he's called by Job, the accuser. And all the way through the scripture to the very last book, the book of Revelation, the last inspired book to be written, Even there, the angel in the book of Revelation refers to Satan as being the accuser whom he says accuses our brothers day and night before the throne of God. Your adversary, the devil, St. Peter calls him, and little wonder then that Luther wrote of him saying, The old evil foe now means you deadly woe, deep guile, great might, are his dread arms in fight, on earth is not his equal. No man on earth, no mere mortal, can stand alone against this old evil foe. And so as these 40 days begin, our 40 days of Lent, we most fervently pray as our Lord Jesus taught us in the last petition of his holy prayer, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Luther says of this, don't don't misunderstand there, what Jesus is saying when he says, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, Luther says, don't misunderstand this. God, indeed, he says, tempts no one. But we pray in this petition that God would guard us. And keep us, he says, so that the devil, the world, and our own flesh may not deceive us nor seduce us into misbelief, into despair, or into any other shame or vice, and though we be assailed by them, that still we may finally overcome them and we may finally obtain the victory. Quote, unquote, Luther. Or as we sang in the second verse of Luther's great Reformation hymn, but for us fights the valiant one." whom God himself elected, ask ye, who is this? Jesus Christ it is, of Sabbath, heaven's hosts, the Lord. There's none other God. He holds the field forever. And so now as the 40 days begin, those days wherein we're reminded by God of how hopeless the battle is without his Son, without Jesus Christ at the forefront going on before us, into the wilderness where men and women who have gone on their own strength and depending only on their own strength have always failed god because they think they can go it on their own without him in what wilderness has man failed the father in what wilderness perhaps have you failed the father and i know i failed him in one of these wildernesses as well as more as well perhaps it's the wilderness of wants That wilderness where you found yourself without those things in the world that you really thought you needed—the absolute essentials, you would say—the basic necessities of life—and you've worried about getting them, and you've worked so hard to attain them. You focused all of your attention on getting those basic necessities of life, those things that we might call the bread. Give us this day our daily bread. We even pray in the perfect prayer that our Lord Jesus taught us and you hungered so greatly for and worried so much about attaining that daily bread the acquiring of it the consuming of it the maintaining of it becoming such an important priority for you in life that it has left little or no room in life where you're nourished by the bread of heaven which alone can feed your soul a bread that is important to you as the As the bread of earth to feed your body, because both body and soul are so important to God and to Christ who indeed has acted to save them. Man does not live on bread alone, Jesus said, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Or perhaps it was not that wilderness of want in which you found yourself so preoccupied with things, perhaps it has been the wilderness of, of power. The wilderness of glory how many politicians and business executives and religious and sports personalities have been brought down by this wilderness of temptation of power and glory and it's not just the Lukakoviches or the edwards or the sanfords or the matoffs or the Swagerts and haggards and woods of this world that have been brought down by the enticing things of this world how many ordinary men and women Have found the quest for recognition in their profession, or the elevation to power and popularity among their peers, the positioning of themselves in their careers, how many have found that to be all-consuming, that driving force in their life that makes everything else even unworthy of consideration? To be able to control things, to be able to be on top of things, to have our own little kingdom over which we have control, not necessarily a whole kingdom dangling there before you, but just a little slice of one, to be able to control a part of one, a temptation like that will bring a lot of men and women to the bargaining table with the devil, and it's always dangerous, no matter how big the table might be, to dine with the devil. President's Day was last Monday. Our first president once said, quote, few men have the virtue to withstand the highest bidder. In essence he's saying everyone has his price. Not just financiers in Wall Street, not just politicians in Washington or Sacramento or San Jose, not just entertainers in Hollywood, but ordinary men and women like us we seem to have our prices too it seems who knowingly or unknowingly have sold themselves out to the one who saint paul calls the god of this world who offers them everything saint john calls him the prince of this world saint peter refers to him as being a roaring lion who goes about seeking someone to devour how many People have turned a deaf ear to the warning of our Lord when he says, What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world, but then loses his soul? And yet, despite these warnings from saints of old and our Savior himself, men and women do it still, selling themselves out like Christopher Marlowe's Dr. Faustus, And if not for the wilderness of want or the wilderness of power and glory, how about the wilderness of confusion? The third one we sort of see in the text for today, that that wilderness of confusion where the devil tries to play tricks with our, our minds, confusing issues, clouding the truth, blurring the lines between right and wrong so that we compromise God's word in order to accommodate ourselves to the world around us. Or the wilderness confusion where the devil would blur the lines between what is and what isn't, what's real and what's not. Or between ourselves and God so that he would entice us to play God with ourselves or with others, taking matters into our own hands which belong only in the hands of God. That world where God says to us, trust me, believe what I say and trust me, and yet the devil comes to us and says, Don't do it. Make him prove it. Step off the pinnacle into the air and make him prove it. Force the hand of God to move at your bidding or to prove himself a liar who does nothing as he sees you fall. Make him prove it. You see how the old evil foe works? In one way or the other, to one degree or the other, we've all wandered into one wilderness or the other, at one time or the other. We all, Isaiah says, like sheep, have gone astray, each of us in our own way, into the wilderness where we've come uncomfortably close to the old evil foe and found ourselves to be no match at all for the Lord of darkness. But believe it, dear friends, believe it, Satan has met his match satan has met his match in the wilderness he met his match in his domain of darkness he met him all alone one on one he met him eye to eye in the face of our Lord Jesus Christ who confronted Satan all alone all alone in the wilderness where no one else in all of history had ever been able to successfully stand against Satan alone but our Lord Jesus Christ did confront him and succeed against him alone all alone even as our Lord Jesus would confront him all alone with our sins on the cross at Calvary forsaken even for our sake by God the Father All along with their adversary Satan charging the cross shouting out guilty guilty God the father agreeing yes guilty he is guilty why because he bears in himself the sins of all of the world your sins and my sins he is indeed guilty the father would say and even the the saints and the angels of heaven in chorus with the demons and the devils of hell saying yes he is guilty because indeed he was as he bore our sins upon the tree and was cursed for our sake that we might never be guilty he was in order that that word guilty might never ever be applied to you that it might never stick to you so that no one can call you guilty that God has called innocent free there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus saint paul says so that when your heart scripture tells us would condemn you god is greater than your heart and he has said of you innocent not guilty because of what his own son has done all because Jesus went alone into the wilderness to deliver you from evil to do there for you what you could never have done for yourself even as on the cross he did for us what we never in a thousand lifetimes could have done for ourselves and that's why the writer of Hebrews puts it so beautifully and he says We don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with us in our weakness. Rather, we have one who has been tempted in every way that we are, in every way, yet without sinning. And that high priest, of whom the writer speaks, is none other than our Lord Jesus Christ, who went into the wilderness all alone for you and there, as a high priest also he would later in another wilderness on the cross he would offer himself up as a high priest offering up a sacrifice he offers himself up also as the sacrifice itself for you and he is even right now for you in the word that you hear and the supper that you so often receive any wonder that the writer of hebrews continues and said let us then approach now the throne of god's grace how confidently with confidence so that we may receive their mercy and find grace to help them in our time of need. Confidence in Christ before whom the devils shudder. Confidence in Christ before whom every evil trembles and every evil has met its match. A brief concluding news item from the Denver Post some time ago reads like this. Like many sheep ranchers in the West, Lexi Fowler has tried just about everything to stop crafty coyotes from killing all of her sheep. She has used odor sprays, electric fences, scare coyotes, she has slept with her lambs during the summer, she's placed battery operated radios near them, she has corralled them at night, she's herded them at day, but the southern Montana rancher has lost scores of lambs, 50 lambs last year alone. Then she discovered, the article says, then she discovered the llama. The aggressive, funny-looking, afraid-of-nothing llama. Llamas don't appear to be afraid of anything, she said. When they see something, they put their head up high and they simply walk straight toward it. That's aggressive behavior as far as the coyote is concerned and they won't have anything to do with that coyotes are opportunists and llamas take that opportunity away Christ is with us taking away evils opportunity he goes before us his head held high clearing the way through this pilgrimage and this wilderness that we must go And so we sing, O Christ, you walk the road, our wandering feet must go. Stay with us through temptation's hour to fight our ancient foe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand and sing with me hymn number 424.
0: Their 50th wedding anniversary. For these and others, we now pray. For grateful hearts that believe the word of and embrace the salvation accomplished for us by Christ, the Lamb of God, we pray. And we ask that in this season of Lent, the Lord God, through his Holy Spirit, would condition our hearts to be repentant hearts and to train our minds, eye to focus intently on the saving passion of Jesus Christ. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy for persevering strength in our times of temptation, that we may recognize the devil in league with our flesh and the world around us, and that we might be protected from despondency and despair by recalling that while on earth is not his equal, yet he is not Christ's equal, who fights for us and who has promised in in life's baptismal tide that he will never forsake us and abandon his post on life's battlefield. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For skill among Christ's pastors in handling the word of God, and for open ears and eager hearts in his people to regard and believe it, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. We pray for good government. And so ask the Lord to grant wise discernment to all of our leaders for neighborhoods in which peace resides, for honesty in business and the success of honest businesses. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the members of our armed forces as they act as our nation's arm and shield, that they might be protected by the Lord's mighty arm and shield in their days of service, both at home and abroad. To this end, we pray for Carl Schuppen, Shewerman, and also for Colonel Tim Small, who both serve in the Middle East. Let us pray to the Lord, Lord have mercy. Amid our afflictions, we pray for the patience seen in Jesus Christ, who in the wilderness waited patiently and faithfully upon the goodwill of his father, who, and who in his father's time was aided by his father. To this end, we ask the Lord's blessings upon all of those who are ill or have fallen ill, including Herb Bush, those recovering from injury or illness or surgery, including Martin Rudnick and Ed Hefner, Sonia Heidemann and Ethel Hein, who is recovering from minor surgery, and for those preparing for surgery, including Michelle Sensin. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. To the Lord of our lives, we give great thanks with Dean and Sharon Johnson as they mark and celebrate 50 years of marriage. And we ask the Lord to continue to bless them and their home throughout their days, enabling them to draw their continued and ever-strengthening love and devotion for each other from the depths of Christ's inexhaustible love and devotion unto us. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Though we now pass through life's wilderness, and encounter the trials along its way, we know that Christ goes before us and is our pillar behind us and that we and that he with the Father and the Spirit makes his dwelling with us. We ask this Lord to make us mindful that our promised and glorious destiny purchased by the precious blood of Christ is certain and will be ours in God's good time. Hear our prayers, Heavenly Father. Deliver and preserve us For to you alone be all honor, with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, world without end. Amen. Lord, remember us now in your kingdom, and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses. God, we have again worshiped in your presence and received both the forgiveness of our many sins and the assurance of your love in Jesus Christ. We thank you for this undeserved grace and ask you to keep us in the faith and protect us from our adversary, keeping us with all of your saints until the day that with them we inherit the fullness of our eternal salvation. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive now the benediction of our Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.